Do you want to be a confident dad that your family looks up to? Are you ready to take on your parenting skills to the next level, but not sure how it's possible or how to start? Help is on the way, so stay with me. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. My guest is Parminder Mann. He's the author of The Mindset of the Extraordinary Dad. His passion is helping dads parent consciously instead of reactively by working on their mindset. Parminder, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Parminder, what is your favorite dad joke? What do you call a factory that makes really average products? Oh, well, I definitely haven't heard this one. I don't know. Satisfactory. (laughs) That is a good one. Thank you. My kids, I get the biggest (laughs) eye rolls at that one. I always think the effectiveness of a dad joke is how much your children roll their eyes. Exactly. (laughs) Well, let's start with the burning question on my mind. Why did you write The Mindset of Extraordinary Dad? What is the story behind this book? Okay, so um, during the first lockdown, I had uh, a couple of friends at the time that were really struggling with their children. You know, it was obviously a very stressful time, people trying to work from home, the children were home from school. And uh, I know, you know, with my children, I I was very fortunate because I was able to spend a lot of time homeschooling them, but a lot of people weren't that fortunate. They still had to carry on working. Um, the difference was they had the children at home. So I started, you know, just giving kind of friendly advice to a couple of my friends. And one of them kind of tongue in cheek just said, oh, you know, this is great advice. You should write a book. Um, and I, I'm an NLP practitioner and life coach. And I also started to notice that more and more of my clients were asking me about their children rather than about themselves, which, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand. Obviously, the impact um, of their children would impact them. So I started having a little bit of a look around. I couldn't really see anything in the kind of style that uh, of book that I've written. And, you know, as I mentioned in the book, when I first became a dad myself, I was scouring bookshelves looking for books that would empower me and help me to become the best dad possible. But all I could find was books like Surviving How How to Be a Dad and things about hacks to do with being a parent. And I didn't really feel that enough of them were doing justice to this incredibly important subject matter. So you know, I, I, when I wasn't homeschooling the kids, like I said, I was very fortunate to be able to spend a lot of time with them during the first lockdown. Um, so when I wasn't uh, homeschooling them, I was able to just kind of work on the book. And it was a kind of work in progress for a, a few months. Um, and then I, um, when we came out of lockdown, uh, I started working again. And I was only ever really able to kind of work on it in bits and bobs. And then in December uh, of last year, December 2022, I said, right, that's it. I have this work that's about half to two thirds done. I want to be of service to other dads. You know, I I want 
to help people in a, in some small way through my own experiences. And obviously being an NLP practitioner and a life coach, I consider myself to be uh, quite educated on communication and how to coach people and how to make people think. And that's what a lot of the book is about. You know, it's it's not, I find that a lot of parents are very almost kind of military in the way that they do things, right? Child, you will do this and you will do that. And it's because of this, this, and this, and this is how it will benefit you, which is fine. You know, that's one way to get your message across. But I've always found through coaching people, whether they be children or adults, that asking questions is the best way to make people think because you can tell somebody something, but if you ask them a question that makes their brain come up with the answer, they are much more likely to not only remember it, but actually kind of put it into practice. So that that's uh, basically in a nutshell, the story of how the book came to be about. I'm absolutely fascinated by this because this is a topic that I've been trying to figure out how to get uh, covered or talked about on the fatherhood challenge. And that is the whole idea of asking questions, like how do you get kids to listen to you and to actually take action and on whatever it is that you're trying to bring their attention to without yelling and screaming at them. And I had a fascinating conversation the other day with my father-in-law and he's a, a renowned educator and, uh, and had some really interesting things to say about asking questions from what I learned, when you ask questions, it pushed, it puts the ownership of whatever the behavior is back on that child. If you just yell at them or if you just bark in order, then you're taking all of the responsibility on yourself. But when you ask the question such as like, should you be doing that? Or is that is that where you're supposed to be? Or things like that, instead of just snapping at them they now have to answer that question and they now have to account for whatever that behavior is. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And it's something that my wife and I do very regularly, not just in the moment, but also after an incident, because it doesn't matter how great of a parent you are. You, your children are going to make mistakes as part of the, the journey of life. You know, they're always going to make mistakes. You know, adults always make mistakes. It's just, it's just part of the human experience. If, uh, after something has happened, you know, my, my children, for example, I think it was yesterday, they were in a very heated uh, argument with each other. Afterwards, you know, we'll ask them questions. What could you have done better in that moment? How do you think that made your sister feel? Um, did it feel good to scream like that? What else could you have done in the moment? And those are questions that, you know, you're exactly right. They, they'll sit and they'll think, actually, you know, I, I could have dealt with that differently. It's fine to say you should have dealt with that differently. You should have done this. You should have done that. But actually, if you can ask somebody a question and they come up with the answer, then it, it's going to be far more powerful than just telling them something. And that's what we do a lot of the time in, in, in coaching people. You know, I've been a, a soccer coach for many years. Um, I've been a, a, a people coach, a life coach and an NLP coach, a business coach. And it is the most effective tool 
in helping people solve problems because we have all of the solutions to every problem in our own minds. It's just a case of having somebody help us to reveal what the answers to our problems are. In your book, you state that this book isn't about changing your kids. It's about changing you. What is the impact of starting with this mindset? So that's that's a good question. Um, what I would say, Jonathan, is that so much of what we do is subconscious. Um, you know, there's a basic principle in neurolinguistic programming, which is that the brain deletes, distorts, and generalizes information as it comes in. And those filters are based on our past experiences. So we quite often, as dads, react in a subconscious way, which is normal. You know, that's what we do. Um, But if you, for example, set an intent that I'm going to help my children to be the best people they can be, but then you haven't dealt with all of your own subconscious beliefs and behaviors. Trying to help your children be better people doesn't work. You have to deal with your own issues before you can look to help others. And I mean, you know, we could spend hours in going to very specific detail about all this, but in a nutshell, I think that is why I have written the book in a way that makes parents, uh, dads in particular, deal with their own subconscious filters, their own beliefs, their own behaviors. Because the other key thing to mention here is that our children copy our behavior because, you know, we're their heroes. Whether we like it or not, we are our children's heroes. And so if you are going to set the intent, I want my children to be better people, and you talk to them about it and you try and do it, but then your behavior is the opposite, they're going to copy your behavior and your good intentions end up meaning nothing. So much of the time I have observed parents and I've observed myself doing this as well, in the moment, just reacting in a way that afterwards I've thought to myself, gosh, that, that was not a good way to deal with that. And actually I've done that because of my belief of X, Y, and Z, or Uh, you know, I reacted that way. You you know, I always get this one where I speak to parents and they say, gosh, I didn't realize that I sounded so much like my own dad. And it's because, you know, you, as as a child, you internalize all of those things that are said to you, good or bad, or, or, you know, anywhere in between. And you will find yourself repeating things that you were told as a child subconsciously. So you've got to deal with your beliefs. You've got to deal with your values. You've got to deal with your own emotions before you can have a hope of trying to do the same thing for your children. We're going to look at another aspect of your book that I read, and this one was probably one of the most startling things for me. I read in your book that there are statistics on how absent fathers impact kids. Would you share with us how this impact plays out? Yes, absolutely, Jonathan. I mean, 
again, it's one of those questions where, you know, we could get very, very specific about it. You know, uh, dads, for example, that are absent in the early years, dads that are absent in the teenage years, it has a very different impact. But if we were to just say, just generally absent dads, I believe that the impact of that, generally speaking, leads to children growing up with a feeling of uh, unworthiness, with a feeling that they are not enough. And that leads to all kinds of uh, emotional issues and relationship problems. You know, I'll give you an example. I had a client of mine, uh, it was around about two years ago, and we, we were getting to the point where we were starting to realize that she had this, this belief that she wasn't worthy of love. And she came onto a call with me one day and um, she looked a bit down and I said, gosh, is everything okay? And she said, no, not really. And I said, why, what happened? And she said, well, my husband brought me flowers. And uh, I, I was a bit confused. I thought, okay, well, why is that a bad thing? She said, well, I just know if my husband has brought me flowers, that he's done something really, really bad. And I asked her, well, what leads you to believe that? And she said, well, I just know it. I know what he's like. So I said, well, okay, has, has this happened before? Did this happen the last time he brought you flowers? And she said, well, no. I said, well, what about the time before that? And it turned out, you know, she, he didn't uh, buy her flowers very often, but on the couple of occasions that he did, it didn't lead to him then revealing that he had done something really bad. What it was is that this lady is absolutely lovely lady that she was and still is, had this sense that she was not worthy of love. She had this deep rooted belief that she was not worthy of love. So when her husband did something kind or loving for her, she believed that it was for an ulterior reason. It's not coincidence that this lady that I'm talking about, her dad left when she was a toddler. And the impact of that is so strong that it's it stayed with her throughout all of her life. And like I said, it, it's having an impact on her was having an impact on her relationships to the point where when she receives any sort of love, she interprets it in a way to mean something different because of this feeling of, and, and this belief of not being enough. So, you know, it's, it's that one th specific thing that people will grow up with a feeling and a belief that they are not worthy that they are not enough. Because when you have the person, uh, potentially one of two people in the world that is supposed to love you and cherish you and nurture you and give you this unconditional love that you know all children should have, if they just leave at the drop of a hat, then you internalize that. You think it's because of you. And obviously she was only a toddler at the time when it happened. It wasn't anything to do with her, but she has grown up with that belief. Now, sometimes you get people that, um, that, that use that belief, that, that, that feeling 
to do the opposite. You know, I've, I've seen it be a really powerful motivator for some people to be an absolutely incredible parent. And I've seen it motivate people to really take charge of their lives and really become something. But those cases are, are, are quite rare overall. You know, generally speaking, it's going to be that people grow up, children grow up with a feeling of this unworthiness, that they are not enough, that they're not worthy of love. And then it has a significant impact on other aspects of their lives as well. I get the feeling so many dads are overwhelmed and there are many reasons for this, such as pressure, narratives, both true and false from media and culture, and just simply trying to be and feel confident where there isn't any parenting manual around. Does being a dad really have to be this complicated or is there a simpler way of parenting? Personally, I think that parenting can be incredibly simple. I think it depends on to to what extent you analyze what it is that you want for your children. And I think in this day and age, it can be so easy to get caught up in what other parents are doing with their children. And then inevitably we, we compare that to what we are doing, but there are some basic things for me that are what our role as dads is. And I think if you concentrate on, you know, these kind of two or three things, it can be incredibly simple. And in my opinion, our role as dads is to love our children. It's to do our best to ensure that they grow up with uh, emotional intelligence um, and resourcefulness taking time to spend with them because that is one kind of form of uh, showing children that you love them. It's spending quality time with them, you know, not just sticking them in front of a, a TV or saying, let's watch a movie together. You know, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie with your children. Don't get me wrong, but um, a lot of it is about quality time. It's about doing things where you are interacting with each other, where you are, um, able to impart that wisdom. And that goes a long way, in my opinion, towards ensuring that they're emotionally intelligent and that they're resourceful. So yes, I think that it can seem incredibly complex being a parent, but if you really break it down and you really analyze what it is that you want for your children, then it can be incredibly simple. And that would be my advice to any dad. Show them that you love them. Tell them that you love them. The dads listening love stories. We we absolutely love stories on the Fatherhood Challenge. Please share some stories from your own experience of applying your mindset principles with your kids. Something I actually spoke to my youngest about a couple of days ago. Um, she, she she is quite shy in certain certain um, situations, certain social situations, and. She said to me a couple of days ago, dad, you never seem to get embarrassed. How, how do you do that? And I said, okay, well, Zara, what's, what's the point of embarrassment? And she thought for a minute and she said, well, I, I don't really know. And I said, exactly. There's no point to it. It is the most pointless emotion that you will feel. And 
I, I explained to her that actually when I was a child, I was incredibly shy, you know, absolutely um, dreadfully shy. But one day I realized that it was actually just completely pointless. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, kind of going back to what we were saying before as well about asking questions. I could have told her something about being shy, but asking her what is the point of embarrassment made her think mm. for a moment and say, actually, I can't think of a point of it. Mm. And, you know, I'm not saying that that statement is necessarily or that that question she's asked herself is going to necessarily rid her of any embarrassment, but it starts setting the seeds for questioning. Why do I feel embarrassed? You know, what, what is the point of it? Uh, another way that I will quite often try and challenge my children when it comes to certain statements that they make is, you know, again, in NLP, we have these, um, these statements that are general kind of worldwide statements. So people say, um, and in this context, it was, oh, my sister's always breaking my stuff. Just asking the question of always made Sophia, my other daughter, say, well, not always. And again, it's setting the kind of foundation for them starting to grow up with beliefs that actually my sister doesn't always break my stuff. You know, she does it now and again. But it's it's an incredibly easy, simple, but yet very effective way of stopping your children in these moments and having them question themselves. Well, is it always? Oh, actually, no, it, it's not always. It, it's sometimes. You can say it's not always, but that won't be as effective. So just, just you know, one word sometimes in a question, always, it can be incredibly effective. Um, obviously, you know, I've, I've got lots and lots of stories, Jonathan, about the way that, um, ways that, I have tried to apply certain principles with my own children. Um, one that sticks out a lot for me is when my youngest daughter wanted to come up with me into the uh, the attic. Um, when she was around about kind of two and a half, maybe three years old, and she got up halfway and she got very upset. She got very scared, and you know, she said it's very high. It's, it's really tall, and I, I mean, I could have just said, you know, don't be ridiculous. What are you talking about? It's not that high at all. Give me a hand and I'll pull you up. But I thought, well, this is an opportunity uh, for her to learn. Um, so, you know, we went back down and I said to her, when we go up next time, you know, I didn't want to say if, because if you start saying if, then that implants something into the mind of the child that it might not be a possibility for me to go up there. So I said, when we go up next time, what can I do to help you feel more safe? So that immediately, you know, she said, okay, daddy, well, um, maybe you could hold my hand as we walk up there. And I said, okay, great. And, and just, again, this concept of just asking a couple of questions, you know, rather than so, so often it's, it's really tempting in the moment as well when we're busy and we've got things to do. We're trying to get out of the house and we're trying to get the kids. Um, we're trying to, you know, have them remember to bring their coats and have you brought your lunchbox and, you know, we start running late. We're worrying about getting to work. It's very easy to just kind of grab them and go, stop being so silly. You know, come on, we've got to go. That's ridiculous. It, that, that's not helpful. You know, that's not going to have our children grow up 
with um, a feeling of, of worthiness and a feeling of resourcefulness. And quite frankly, I'd be rather be five minutes late for work um, or wherever I might be going up. The kids be five minutes late for school. If there's an opportunity for me to coach them within that moment. Parminder, how can dads get a hold of your book and find out more about you? So Jonathan, um, you can, uh, a dads can purchase the book on Amazon. It's available in a number of different countries. Um, my website is brainpowercoaching.co.uk. Um, so you can, uh, visit that. That's, uh, brainpowercoaching.co.uk. Uh, we have, uh, social media channels as well. Instagram, we have a YouTube channel. If you type brain power coaching in, uh, to any of those, uh, you should be able to stay up to date with what we do and, um, uh, contact us through any of those means if need be as well. I'm also going to make it easier for listeners to find this material. So if you go to the fatherhood that's the fatherhood go to this episode, go to the description. If you look right below the episode description, I'm going to put all of the links right below the links to the book and the links to all the information that uh, Parminder has mentioned on this episode. So as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? My challenge to dads listening now, Jonathan, is to observe. Start getting really interested and really curious about the ways that you interact with your children in an honest, non-judgmental way. If you start observing, and my recommendation would be to start journaling, you know, at the end of each day, get yourself a journal and write in that journal, write what you're happy with, write what you could have done better, write what you think your children will take away from the interactions that they had with you. And once you start doing that for a week, two weeks, a month, you start to notice patterns. And the patterns that we have as dads are so crucial because that will form the basis of what our children believe. All right. There it is, dads. The challenge has been laid out. Journal, journal, journal. When you journal, it's a good way to reflect on what you're doing. If you are doing well, you can see it reflected in your journaling where there are areas that need improvement. You will be able to see that much easier if you journal in detail with everything that you're doing and you're clear about what you're doing and honest about what you're journaling. It's all about improving. It's all about getting better, which we all, all need and want to do and want to strive to do. Parmender, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. You've given us so much wisdom. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure being here. And let me just say, I think the work that you're doing with the Fatherhood Challenge is so, so important. Um, and to anybody listening, keep doing what you're doing. Just always look to be the best dad that you can be. You know, like Jonathan and I both said, it's the most important job you'll ever have. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me, Jonathan. And um, just, just great work on the Fatherhood Challenge. I think it's absolutely wonderful what you're doing. And I think it's very needed as well. I think, um, you know, as, as dads, a lot of the time we don't want to ask for help or, you know, we, we're not willing to admit that we need help. So we need more work like the excellent work that you're doing to just give these tools out to dads to um, help them be better. So um, thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.